to another episode of the Young Terps Podcast, basketball postgame pod, Terps Top Illinois, 76-67. Ahmed, finally see it. The Terps get it done on the road against number 10 team in the country. Let's start off instant takes. Yeah, obviously a huge win. I think Maryland, kind of going into this game, needed it to be a must-win game. And that was kind of what Kevin Willard said going into and coming out of uh, the Michigan game uh, last week. And, you know, I think Maryland obviously picks up that huge signature win. Um, You can kind of question, you know, uh, if Maryland was the better team for a 40-minute stretch. I think that second half against Michigan was the best that Maryland has played so far this year. Um, And I think this game is probably uh, the best 60 minutes stretch between that second half uh, that Maryland's done this year. Um, And I think Maryland's starting to show um, some better signs that they're able to to kind of put it together. Uh, But nonetheless, a, uh, that first signature win for Kevin Willard and what's been a trying year two so far. Yeah, it certainly has. And this one came from the contributions from the supporting cast and they weren't huge, but they were certainly uh, at, Marquee times in the game, Noah Batchelor with a big three. Caleb Swanton, Roger enters the score sheet with uh, his two-point basket from Jameer Young, which felt like a big moment uh, for the Terps in the game. They also get five from Deshaun Harris-Smith, including a huge three-pointer and a forced foul, even though he doesn't knock down either of the free throws. Jahari Long comes back off the injury, gives them three good minutes. Uh, Jamie Kaiser, while at rough uh, at times on the defensive end, was able to eat up some minutes in there. So overall... Uh, the team steps up, but what I have to point out, Jordan Geronimo's nine points, Dante Scott's nine points, and then obviously Juju Risu's had some really, really tough games here in year two, gets it done big time for the Terps in the middle and absolutely dominates the game. Yeah, and I think I think fans kind of know what to expect. I think, you know, from Jameer Young, you know, just being, you know, that that alpha dog in the backcourt. Um, but I think this was a really big performance from Julian Reese, especially kind of what we saw against Purdue. Um, obviously, Zach Eady is, you know, easy assignment for any big man in the country. But, you know, coming out of that, Kevin Willard noted, you know, Julian Reese needs to be alert that, you know, he's going to be number one on opposing team scouting reports. And uh, this was really that next step or net, that next test uh, for him to really step up and obviously being able able to uh, finish with 20 points, shooting 50% from the field there, knocked four from seven uh, down from the free throw line. Uh, that's really big. And But you also mentioned Jordan Geronimo, and I think Jordan Geronimo had obviously nine points, but uh, that triple that he had with the, at the 12-minute mark uh, to put Maryland up 52 to 48, that was a really big shot there as well. And I think it was a big shot just in terms of game momentum, uh, but in terms of for Geronimo as well, um, you know, going in, you know, the, the perimeters really scoring outside the paint uh, was kind of considered a weakness or, um, you know, work in progress for him. Uh, that's an area that he's put a lot of time in and worked to, to really establish confidence going into the season. So I thought uh, between Julian Reese really uh, stepping up and, 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 you know, living up to expectations or what was needed from him in order for Maryland to put this put this type of performance together um, and Jordan Geronimo knocking down that uh, crucial shot there uh, midway through the second half, I thought. Both of those were uh, nice takeaways, uh, but can't go, uh, can't talk about too much without uh, talking about the Jameer Young block with uh, with about two and a half minutes left in the game there. Yeah, that play was huge. And, you know, talking about just game feels before we dive into the stat sheet a little bit more, just finally felt like watching this team so much this year, it's been so frustrating at times because they'll have a couple good plays and then they'll miss or throw the ball away or have an awful turnover. And then they won't score for five minutes after they won't have another field goal. Maybe they knock down like a free throw on an, on a, you know, split a one and one or, or find a way to have one of their better free throw shooters go to the line and they split instead of making them both. And you just kind of find yourself, you know, smacking yourself watching this team so many times. And 
today there were plenty of times where that could have happened, where the, the table could have flipped on Maryland, but they just found a way to get baskets inside. And a lot of those were those floaters from Jameer Young, which, yeah. you know, reminded me of what, you know, Eric Hayes and Gravis Vasquez used to do when they got in the lane and, and Jordan Williams would dive low and they would be able just to throw up those little floaters on the inside. Illinois game plan wise, I mean, Brad Underwood cannot beat Maryland. He just cannot figure out how to beat Maryland. And it, it just showed the game plan from Illinois, I thought was, was bad. And I know that Cooper Hawkins is a really, really talented big man. He can guard all over the court. He can shoot threes. You know, he's a do-it-all guy, but seeing him lose Reese as an assignment, get into foul trouble, not be nearly as effective. Juju Reese beat him up throughout this game. And I would have liked to see, I'm sure if Brad Underwood could play it back, um, Danger would have played more in in the game just because he's a little bit tougher on the inside. But to see Maryland be able to execute their game plan at a high level, I was just looking at the stat sheet, taking a second look at it. The turnovers very limited in this game for Maryland, especially from Deshaun Harris-Smith. There weren't any moments where he, you know, kind of lost himself on the court. Much better between the second half uh, earlier in the week to this entire game, even though they'd started off a little bit slow for Maryland. You can just feel it having watched this team that they finally look ready to play with each other. They look like they, they've bought into the idea that I'm going to assume has been sold to them by the coaching staff that's saying, hey, we've got to score 40 to 55 points in the paint if we want to win. That's just it. We can't shoot. So we'll take wide open shots because we got to take them. We're going to have to make our share of them, which I guess four threes is their share of them when they need to win. But um, th- that's that's how it's got to come for this team. Yeah, and I think you hit the hit it right on the head. I think Illinois at, at times, especially offensively in the second half, they really looked out of sorts, and it really felt like Maryland. You know, at times they they've looked like that through the season, but it didn't feel like that uh, on Sunday afternoon. I think that kind of you know, I think the first half, obviously Illinois was able to go in with a slight lead there, but really just felt like Maryland was um, talent wise. You you really couldn't tell that one team was you know kind of struggling and another team was tenth in the country. It felt like Maryland, especially in the second half, proved it to be the the better team that day. Yeah, Ahmed. Let's dive into the team stats on this one. Uh, the Terps shoot the ball much better, thirty for sixty five from the floor compared to Illinois, who has a really really poor shooting day. Uh, in the end, shoots at twenty one for sixty four. The Terps forty six percent. Uh, from the floor, I already mentioned Maryland four for 17 from three. Illinois knocks down six of 22 from the three-point uh, line, most of those coming early in the game. And then the telling stat for me in this one, when it looks at it, the Terps 12 for 17 from the line. They only make it there 17 times. Illinois 19 for 24. The Illini get that home court advantage you see so much in the Big Ten where they shoot, uh, where they make more free throws than the Terps uh, attempt rebounding fairly even in the game the Terps really scrappy down low on the offensive boards they finally get into double digits on there and then the stat that every coach loves to see the Terps they pick up the lead uh, mid-second half right around the 16 minute mark they do not surrender the lead again in the game and then the largest uh, margin for either team in this one uh, the Terps winning it by the final score of 76 to 67 Ahmed a lot of good things to point to for Maryland who as we just keep saying just played a much better game yeah, and I think, you know, for, for, for a Maryland team that's really struggled to shoot the basketball from deep and obviously, you know, finishing four from 17 from deep today, you know, we talked about, you know, Maryland doing a better job of uh, being able to take care of the basketball and finishing the game with seven turnovers there. I think that provides exact credits. And then with obviously uh, seven turnovers, 14 assists, uh, exactly what you want to see there. Um, but I think, you know, you look at the, the stats and the 52, the 26 points in the paint for a Maryland advantage, uh, again, for a Maryland team that didn't doesn't do a good job 
job of finding perimeter offense. Um, they did a really good job. Uh, and again, credit to Julian Reese, but finding that production inside. Um, and I think that was, the, I mean, the clear difference. Um, and then obviously, like you said, you know, Maryland being able to generate some of those key second chance opportunities there, uh, even though the Illini came away with uh, outscored Maryland 16 to eight in that department, um, Maryland came up with some timely offensive rebounds uh, in the second half there to, to give themselves a couple of opportunities. But um, again, you know, I thought Maryland just for the, for the turnover problems that Maryland had saw the the, the first half of the season. Um, and again, you know, even against the lesser opponents, Maryland struggled, finished with 15, 16 turnovers a game uh, to, to finish with seven turnovers on the road against the number 10 team, I thought was really impressive. Yeah. And you know, you, you have to say Illinois at the same time, they had a Maryland-esque shooting second half. One for 14 from three in the second half is what Illinois ends up shooting in that. And in that same stretch, you know, credit to Maryland. And, and Robbie Hummel kept saying this on the broadcast, too. Just don't take threes. Two for five is perfectly fine for this team. If they shoot, you know, somewhere between that, let's just say four for 10 to four for 13 from three. I think that that's where this team needs to live. And obviously, they're going to have games like like the one last week where they need to come back and they have to hit a couple more of those shots. But Maryland stuck to, stuck to the game plan. They they obviously, and Kevin Willard said it in his post game with Robbie Hummel, they they saw something, they identified something with the way that Illinois was guarding, and a lot of those, you know, little switch screens where Juju Reese, you know, pump fakes, the, like pump fakes the dribble, then goes to drive and gets a, you know, little ticky-tack foul on him where a guy's just waiting for him to either spin back or roll back into him. Like the, the game planning, the identifying of what Illinois was able to do from Willard and staff, very impressive in this game. And then obviously just, Maryland's players keeping their heads on their shoulders even when it didn't go well early and being able to just continue to execute the game plan and not fall out of that and, and play team basketball. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think, again, it goes back to what we've kind of talked about, just kind of going into the Big Ten play, you know, can the, the supporting cast really step up? And, um, you know, stat-wise, obviously, Jameer Young, Julian Reese combined for 48 points there. But, um, again, you know, you talk about Deshaun Aerosmith, what he was able to do defensively a little bit. Um, Jamie Kaiser, you know, again, you know, I think a lot of people looked at him and, you know, obviously the three-point shot has, you know, been hit or miss. But him finishing with six rebounds there um, helped Maryland, obviously, be able to, to finish tied with Illinois at 41 rebounds there. But um, again, I thought, you know, we talked about what Jordan Geronimo was able to do um, with that timely three-point shot as well. So just felt like as a whole, you know, a lot of these pieces really started to click together. And um, again, what a what a time for, for it to really all come together um, and kind of capitalize on, like you said, a, a poor – Poor shooting performance for Illinois down the stretch there. Obviously shooting, uh, I believe it was five of eight from three in the first half and then finishing one for 14 in the second half. So, um, hey, I don't think any Maryland fan is going to feel any sympathy for for hearing those numbers for any other team. No, a couple more things to get to, and you just mentioned it. What a time for the Terps to finally figure out a quad one or quad two win. They pick up their first uh, top end of the tournament resume win with this win over Illinois to this point, Maryland O. Uh, and two against the quad one, the loss to Villanova earlier the year and the loss to Purdue at home. Uh, Terps, plenty of opportunity coming up, and that will start on Wednesday. Maryland will get a quad one opportunity against Northwestern, so a chance to stack some quad one wins uh, as they return home uh, on Sunday to Michigan State, who's also found themselves into the top quad of college basketball. And then if you want to keep going, Iowa also a quad one opportunity for Maryland. So the Terps, chance to stack some tournament resume building wins, find themselves back into uh, that fight as we get into late January, early February already. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think, yeah, I think this, this Northwestern game on Wednesday, I think that's kind of the end of that three key three game stretch, just because, 
you know, coming out of that Purdue game, um, I think just kind of the way that the, the way that game went, obviously, and looking at at the time, you know, that first chance at a signature win. Um, and you kind of looked at the next three and said, you know, Maryland definitely needed at least two. If they can get three. That's definitely a season turnaround. If they get only one and with it being, you know, potentially only Michigan, that's not enough. Um, so obviously Maryland did what they needed to do in the second half to, to take care of Michigan there, to, to, to take care of Illinois on the road is a huge one. If Maryland's able to find a way um, on Wednesday night at Northwestern and, and uh, have to contain, what, sixth or seventh year boo-booey uh, at this point. But, um, again, that'll be a big one and get a chance to return to Xfinity where fan attendance has been a little bit lackluster. But, again, you know, I think think maybe this win will help provide a little bit of jolt in at that atmosphere. But uh, if Maryland gets the next one, uh, watch out. Xfinity could be a fun ticket the rest of the way. Yeah, it certainly could be. you got to find a way to stack those quad one wins. Obviously, Michigan, they have the brand name, but for Maryland, they're – they're in that quad three category where the Terps uh, haven't been great either this year. So you, you got to win the games that are in front of you. You have to still be thinking long-term that that magic number is somewhere between 11 and 13 wins in the conference at this point, you're three and three yeah. as of right now, which means you have to finish out this last, I guess what's really now almost two months still left in the season, but we'll call it month and a half for the purpose of the show. They have to finish out strong. And that really starts on Wednesday. And you mentioned it, you know, sixth-year guy, Boo Booey, one of the best in the conference. He's right up there with Jameer Young. And look, maybe uh, him and Dante Scott will talk about uh, getting dropped from their uh, first-year consulting firm jobs at their age. Like, that's where everybody else will be, but they're still playing college basketball and stacking NIL money. So can't blame him for that. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. But um, I think a lot of a lot of fans just are excited and, and welcome the uh, the rejuvenating and, uh, and, 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 you know, class half full feeling going into Wednesday. So... We shall see how Willard and Co. fare. Yeah, opportunity is certainly something that we weren't sure we would still have at this point in the season. So got to take it where you can get it and win over the number 10 team uh, in the country on the road is a good place to start. Ahmed, anything else to add? No, it should be should be an interesting one. Obviously, stay locked in on the site and uh, we'll have plenty of recruiting rumblings and more. So stay tuned. Yeah, make sure to subscribe over on InsideTheBlackAndGold.net. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get it. Give it a thumbs up and a rating. It really helps us out here. And as always, for Ahmed Gafir and Mason Viner, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.